Welcome to Sin 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Hey, everybody. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Matthew. How are you guys doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Kevin? I'm so, so good. I got to tell you, there's a couple of things, but one I want to share with because in our private Facebook group, everybody can get in on that private group, Mm -hmm. but I put in a prayer request there. And my little granddaughter, Clara B., two years old, about 30 pounds of fluff, uh, had a hole in the upper chambers of her heart that just continued to grow that they couldn't do anything on and wasn't getting better. She got that hole sewed up. She came home three days later like nothing happened. And I got to go up to Ronald McDonald House and Children's Hospital in Hollywood, play with my other three grandchildren, took them to Dave and Buster's. We had fun while the parents were really focusing on little Clara B. Thank you for praying. If you're part of that um, little Facebook group, you can see little pictures of Clara B. And uh, you guys were part of that because you were praying and that was cool. So that's one really important thing. Well, I'm excited not only because Clara B's surgery went so well, which is the best news, but I'm also excited about this podcast because with this episode, most likely it looks like as you are listening right now, we are almost at 5,000 downloads, which is a big victory. It's way far off, as you say, Kevin, from our guest today, (laughs) who has two podcasts, Dr. Brian Linskus. My doctor, yes, Brian Linskus, who I saw yesterday. And it's just an incredible experience. I mean, there are people all over the world that know him. He's low-carb MD, getting people off of insulin and all that. It's just amazing. Go to his podcast, Low Carb MD. Also, he's got a new podcast called Life's Best Medicine, and it's where he gets to share the wonder of life. And he, and he knows so many great speakers that are on there. I even got to hang out with him, and it was just so much fun. Links to his podcast are in the show notes. Go check those out because he might be at 5 million downloads he for is. Um, Low Carb MD but we'd love to help them get to 10, right? Yeah. So I'm excited to share this episode with you guys today. And we had a great conversation with him. And he told us a lot about his journey being a just a private practice doctor and moving forward to where he's now doing low carb. And he totally changed the way that he goes about medicine. And he talks about how that applies with his faith and things like that. As you listen to him just share about his lifestyle and his story. Think about how does that apply to you in the way that you share your faith because, and we say this in there, but when you're just overwhelmed by everything in your life, it's really hard to minister. It's really hard to see other people. It's the things we confess about the peace that God gives us and and all of that. If it's not operating in your Mm -hmm. business world, in your life, it's like, hmm, there's some, it's not equaling up here. And I saw him yesterday and, you know, got a physical and all that stuff. And I told him, I said, I just feel the peace and the joy in the doctor's office, and it's for real. (laughs) Definitely. So here you go, today's episode. Enjoy. Today, we have a very special guest, Dr. Brian Linskes. Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I can't wait. I just want to jump in, and I'd just like to know how you came to know the Lord. Well, I grew up in a Believe in God house, but we never went to church. My relatives down here in San Diego actually went to church, so in the summertime, I'd come down and do youth camp and all that kind of stuff, and I have to memorize the Bible. None of that really made sense to me back then, but I knew we'd get a treat or something at the end if we did it. And so that was the exposure I had to Christianity and then just grew 
up. I was always the good guy, did the right stuff, studied hard and, and worked hard and was decent to people, but I never knew the Lord. So I met this cute girl named Linnell, who's now my wife, and she was a believer. And the first time I asked her out, she said, well, I have a church thing that night. Do you want to do it a different night? And I thought, maybe I got bad information. <laughs> maybe she doesn't like me as much as I thought. But then I saw her faith and she backslid when she dated me. And then we dated for seven, eight years and broke up because we were just unevenly yoked. I never became a believer during that time. But during that year off, I had one experience after the other. And, you know, Christians like you came into my life and I couldn't get away from them. And they were kind and decent and prayed for me. And I said, maybe there's something to this. You know, and one of the big things that happened is my cousin from San Diego invited me on a trip to Mammoth with his youth group. And I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll meet a girl there or something and I'll just go. And when we left, we're, we're in this van and uh, the church van got a flat tire and we're in the middle of nowhere on the way to Mammoth in this little desert town. We all get out of the car and there's a flat tire. And I said, well, we just put the spare on. And they said, well, the spare had a problem, so we don't have it with us. <laughs> and I said, well, this is not good. So he said, you know, guys, let's just sit here and pray. And so they started praying and me being the non-believer, kind of after he was done praying, I said, well, tire's still flat. Now what are we going to do, right? Because it didn't just magically inflate. And so all of a sudden, and it's you know, like five in the morning, there's a one car light comes behind us, you know, and pulls it behind us, asks us what the problem was. And it turns out it was a guy who owned the tire shop in town, right? And he says, hey, this is my off ramp right here. Just follow me. You know, I'll take you to the shop. We go to the shop. He fixes the tire, does all this stuff for free, gives us coffee. And the youth leader looked at me and said, sometimes God answers your prayers in a different way than you think. So it was kind of cool. The guy said, I never come in on Sundays, but I just happened to have some paperwork I had to pick up. So you know, then you start, these things happen one after another. You start saying, well, maybe there's something to this crazy stuff. And then on that trip, people prayed for me and it really did change my life because I realized they didn't have a vested interest, really. It was like they cared and they wanted me to have what they had and they wanted to share that with me. So then the Lord just kept working that way and I gave my life to Christ and everything changed after that. The girl comes back. I was going to say, how many minutes was it before, yeah. after you gave your life to the Lord that you called Linnell? As a matter of fact, I gave myself to the Lord. I was dating. I thought that relationship was over. And then one day she called me and said, hey, can we get together for coffee sometime? And I said, oh, okay. And I just happened to be dating someone else at the time. And uh, the Lord said, that's the one for you. You need to go back. And so we started dating and a year and a half later or so, we're married and now it's 25 years. We're blessed. Yes. Yeah. That's a beautiful journey. And I can just see the people in the van not telling you, well, the tire's not flat anymore, is it, Brian? <laughs> but that would be, I told you so, evangelism, and I've never heard of it. But the other thing is your career. You built up this practice, and it was successful, right? I mean, you were helping a ton of people and doing some international uh, ministry and stuff like that that was fantastic. But then you got some convictions that made you change your approach to it. Yeah, I was working 14, 16 hours a day. You know, my neighbors, they would tease me. They say, you never have to watch your car because you leave in the dark and you come home and it's dark and we never see your car, right? It was like being on a treadmill that was too fast. You just couldn't keep up. And because I was relatively popular, what started happening is I would be booked out for a year. So I couldn't take time off. You know, when I did mission trips, I, it would take me four weeks to get ready for the trip and six weeks after the trip. One day my wife said to me, Brian, you know, you really enjoy your mission trips. When you go, you come back and for a month you're on fire talking about <laughs> it. But every day when you come home from work, you're beat up and exhausted. And I'll ask how your day was and I'll say it was brutal today. I got yelled at by two people. I was rushed all the time because, you know, the worst thing that can happen for a doc and you want to help someone, there's someone in front of you you can help, but then you get a knock on the door and, and they say, there's three patients where you got to hurry, step it up, let's go. And so, yeah, it was just a, a rat race. And you start realizing how effective can you be if you're rushed all the time and you don't have that time to really connect and bond with a patient because a lot of healthcare um, providers nowadays are spending eight to 12 minutes with a patient. 
So they're coming in, going through a divorce, or they're stressed out, or having religious, whatever it is. And they also have a high blood pressure and diabetes and all these other things. So how can you possibly address these things in, in such a short period of time? So I started realizing it was my style of medicine didn't fit with the practice that I was in because I changed, not them. I always loved the time in the room with the patient because we connected, we talked. You know, that's the part of the job that I loved. And I saw a doctor just be really nasty with a patient and very kind of like a person who didn't care anymore. And I'm thinking when they went into medicine, they went there to help people, but now they're just getting beaten down by the system. You go in with your white coat and you want to save the world and you realize I'm just throwing more drugs at people trying to get rid of them. It's like being in a triage unit all the time. When everyone's sick and what's getting worse, there's no joy in that because it's easy to say, oh, Kevin, your blood pressure is high, here's a pill. Uh, your sugar's high, here's a pill. Instead of saying, okay, why is it high? And let's try to see, are you stressed all the time? Are you not sleeping? Do you not have faith? People making poor choices that cause more life stress. So I started realizing how important having faith, community, support at home, all those things. And because I cared, I would work through lunch and I would work later at night, but then I'm sacrificing my own family to take care of other people. So at some point you have to say, where am I going? And is it worth it? If we're not looking at faith, if we're not looking at all these other things that are really important to people, how well are we doing? Yeah, I, I think that connects with us, even as Christians. Are we caring about the overall well-being of people we're ministering to, or are we just throwing verses and, and things at them? And Brian, I can really see in you one of our Sent 315 communication styles of a servant, kind of like the people who helped bring you to Jesus. You holistically just seem to care for the person and the quality of life. And this led you to taking a big risk, a pay cut, shifting out your old office into your now practice with the low carb things. How is this different from before? And what's a way you see this playing into your faith? So I think the Lord just started showing me that, saying, gosh, do you want to really help heal people? Yeah. Or do you want to just put a Band-Aid on every time and send them out without cleaning the wound? But then when I start doing the low-carb stuff with people and they're coming back and saying, did you see I lost 15 pounds? Look at my, I'm not on insulin anymore. Look, my blood pressure's better. And they're excited and we're figuring out how to take them off of medicine. I kind of tell people it's like a country song backwards. Instead of losing all your stuff and you know, your, your, your wife leaves you and all that, they get all their stuff back. Oh, and now they're it. hiking Cal's Mountain. Now they're doing stuff again. And you see the joy and in terms of Christianity, we have to have people with the tools to step back in the church go, how do we get ourselves healthier? Because we all know great people that can really be reaching others, but they're morbidly obese and they're embarrassed to go out and they're afraid to talk. They don't think people will take them seriously. We're losing ministry opportunities. We're losing lives at a young age. You know, Brian, that's a really interesting point and it's important. It definitely can affect our effectiveness and our walk. And the whole low-carb thing for folks that want to learn more about it, just go listen to Low Carb MD Podcast. The joy that I've had is watching this unfold, where your sincere desire to help people, the Lord shows you a better way to one where you can spend quality time. And the Lord puts together miraculous things that you couldn't have even imagined the setup that he had for you, like the good works for you to walk in. But also, you're able to share the Lord with scientists and engineers and MDs. You said something on your low-carb podcast that you got hammered for. I think it was on Twitter. And, and it was something innocuous. The interesting thing about it is this was the beginning 
beginning of your second podcast, Life's Best Medicine, The Spiritual Realities with People. And I, I just got to ask you, what inspired you to tweet something that became so controversial? And, and exactly what did you write? I was seeing everyone depressed and anxious coming into my practice, stressed out and worried with COVID and everything. And all you see was gloom and doom that there's never going to, we're never going to be together again. We're never going to take the masks off. And so I say, hey, keep the faith, keep the hope. That's all I said. There'll be a better day. You know, every atheist in, in the world came <laughs> after me and said, well, prove your faith. What you, what's this faith thing you're talking about? Why are you talking about this? And I was like, well, I'm just trying to give people hope in a dark time. It's a dark time. And a lot of people are lonely and sad. And so I was trying to explain my faith to them. And I realized, well, I can't really explain it to you. I could tell you my story. I can, it's like, you know, some people can just hit the golf ball perfect or they can shoot a basket, but they can't explain it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I just knew what God had done in my life. But I thought this isn't the forum with you have how many characters, 280 characters. I, mean, I can't talk about my faith in a little tweet. So let me start a podcast for the atheists and you guys could listen to it. Then you can make up your mind. Am I crazy or not? My life experience, what we've seen in Guatemala, you know, with crazy stuff that you and I have experienced that you can't explain. It's like, I can't explain it. Go ahead and explain it to me if you have a better explanation than God working. And also I felt on the podcast, faith would come up and I would talk about it. And then people would say, we don't want to hear about that. We want to hear about low carb. We don't want to hear about God stuff. So I said, okay, I'll start a new podcast where you're not, you know, the bait and switch. This is what it's about. Like your podcast, I know what we're going to talk about. So it's not a trick for me. I've never been one to force my faith on people, right? I'm not the one who's going to evangelize on the corner like you might, but I just say, hey, here's my life. Here's my kids. Here's my wife. Hopefully that's an example that, you know, if you're struggling in life, then maybe you want to look. If you're perfect and everything's great, keep doing what you're doing. Same thing with low carb. And that was the kind of the funny thing. As a matter of fact, I just interviewed someone from the low carb world who's well known. We were at a meeting and he was talking. He said, how can it be that when I'm, and he's not a believer. And he goes, I'm trying to talk to people about low carb and they don't get it. They look at you, but I know it can help them and they need it, but they don't want it. And I said, I get it because faith is the same way. Because you can say, hey, this is working for me. And people go, that's nice for you, but I'm not going to do that. But then they're a train wreck. And I realize all this train wreck stuff in life affects health also. Your stress hormones are up, you're tense all the time, you're worried, you get stressed all the time. So once we get the stress better, then what? If you have faith, maybe that helps you with your with your stress. And I see that all the time. So, you know, that's kind of the, the story of that. I said, let me start talking about my faith in a way where I don't want to beat you over the head with it, but I'll say, here's what works for me. And then I have other doctors on of faith and say, what do you do when things get hard? They lean on their faith. And there was a study that came out right after that that said 74% of doctors believe in a higher power. Maybe it's not Jesus, right? But it, they believe in something. So when they say you're a scientist, how could you believe in this hocus pocus stuff? You say, well, I'm not alone. There's a lot of people That's out there who sure. believe. A lot of smart people that we know believe. They think it's that you give away all your common sense and you, you just drink the Kool-Aid time thing and not assess for yourself what, what works and what doesn't work. You know, one of the things I love about you, Brian, is uh, the caring and the genuineness. That's the tone in your conversations. So you're talking to really smart people who might feel very strongly about something, but you, you open up dialogue. And some of it's they just understand understand your character. And with the life's best medicine, so I've listened to some of it and I kind of saw like you bring on someone, but you also have these little shorter episodes where you just share what's on your mind and your heart with people. And I was listening to one, it's called Love Your Neighbor. And I could, again, just really see that servant heart that you have for people and some things that happened in your neighborhood as far as just being a decent human, as you said, on your podcast. Podcasts. What kinds of things do you do, you know, outside of the workspace just to serve and share the gospel in that way? Yeah, I think really what I learned from mission trips is those times where 
I'm free of all the stress and running around like a crazy person all the time. That's when I hear the Lord speak. So many times I've had experiences where I'm just quiet for a minute and the Lord says, go talk to that person. I'm like, oh no, I don't want to talk to that person. Go talk to that person. They need to talk to you right now. And I start talking to them and the thing that I had for them was from the Lord, right? And it changes their life or it makes them happy. I, I was starting to think, how many times do I not listen more so, right? Mm. Because like that time you're talking about with the love your neighbor was I was leaving to go work out and I see my neighbor and his wife, they're out there with shovels and they have a ton of rocks on their driveway. They're shoveling them all by themselves. Themselves. And I thought, I don't really want to, it was Labor Day weekend. I'm like, they're going to labor all weekend. So I'm labor <laughs> weekend, right? So I said, yeah, I told my wife, you know, I'm going to go get a shovel. I'm going to help them for a little while, right? Because, you know, I didn't really want to, but I thought I'm going to work out anyways. I'll get sweaty. I'll help them. I'll get to know them better. I'm the, the new kid on the block. So I get my shovel, go out there and they go, what are you doing? We're planning on doing this all weekend. I said, no, I'll help you for, a, I got an hour. Let's do it. So we start talking about life and we're shoveling. And then the other neighbor comes out, what are you guys doing? I'm over just shoveling rocks. Before we knew, we had like eight or 10 people there, right? And we just all shoveled the rocks and got it all good. The next weekend, they, they were appreciative. We had a big barbecue. They invited us all over. We got to know each other. You know, everything was just great. And then about a month and a half later, this huge tree in my front yard blew over in a storm and all of them came and helped me. It was just became a community thing. And I was doing, I could have just said, no, nah, I'm not going to help them. I'm going to go where the first thought was on my mind. And so we built community. And I think that's what's important, knowing that your neighbor is going to have your back. Someone else is going to have your back. And I think I just try to do things like that to say, hey, my neighbors, I, you know, I've seen guys, they don't know how to redo their lawn. And I Oh, yeah, I know a little something about that. And people like Kevin come and help. You get a group of people rather than just one person working by themselves that we can do great things. In East County, there's a bunch of contractors. They go, hey, some lady can't get in her house anymore. Let's redo her front thing. They do it for free. They get yeah. this vigilante group of guys to go help. And so things like that, we've done that going down to Mexico and helping families down there build a house. And, you know, for them, they have a house that's a little the size of this room, but it's a house, right? So I think just doing that, seeing there's a need and stepping in and contribute to something other than ourselves being tuned into God, you know, and, and he'll give you those opportunities if you're listening and you're paying attention. That's beautiful. When you change your life and you simplify your life and you quiet the clamor and the noise in your life, then you're living a life that's available and you don't have to go to Guatemala. It's exciting and there's great stories, but it could be going across the street. It could be shoveling the driveway. All of that stuff is absolutely true. The thing I'm, I'm really feeling is we need to live lives as Christians that people People might say, I really don't know about your God, but I really like you. You have something and you've earned the right to speak into my life. And instead of becoming walls that keep people from God, to become bridges that lead them to God. You know, so much. I think, again, putting yourself out there, I see neighbors helping each other more, building the community. And I, you know, as a commercial for you a little bit, I see that. You have people that do community and, and you say, let's go work out together. Let's go talk and you go for a hike and just talk about life. And you're not evangelizing them. But it turns into that because they go, well, Kevin, how come you don't get upset? How come you deal better with stress or whatever? So I think it's those things, these little conversations that happen, just loving on people. And you know, I have some neighbors that don't like Christians. They just don't. They make it public. They don't like it, but they like me, <laughs> right? <laughs> and there's a lot of people who don't like doctors, but they like me, right? So you don't want to be the stereotype. You want to say you're different than other people. Yep. When people see that, they say, I don't know about your family, but whatever you're doing is right. Well, it's not me, it's God. So people see it and they see a light where you go. And it's not because we're so great is God. You know, I think that's really important. You know, in medicine, now I have patients, if I can pray for them, they'll ask me, hey, doc, I know you're a believer. Do you want to pray? They see my pictures of my mission trips yeah. and they know what I stand for. So they say, can you pray for me? I'm really scared right now. Awesome. That's another tool we could pull out. That's part of medicine. You can't divorce those things because if I believe faith gives me strength and it gives me hope, how can I not share that with you? And I see you going through a struggle and say, maybe we can change things a little bit in life. How do you in that, because you're a doctor and so one of your goals 
Bowles, you know, is in a way is fixing it. And so sometimes when people are sharing their faith, they can come at it at an angle. They're trying to fix somebody. They're trying to like save them. They kind of have more of that agenda. How do you stay focused on the person, which it seems like you do really well? What are your like secrets to doing that? I think really men in particular, but doctors even worse, we want to fix the problem right away. My wife will tell me something. I'll go, okay, just you've probably seen that, that video with the nail in the forehead, right? You're like, take the nail out of your head. You'll be fine. So it's hard. Sometimes people just want to share. They want to tell you what's going on, but that's, they'll start saying what's happening. No, no, no. Here's what's happening. No, that's not how I feel. And instead of dismissing, I say, well, tell me about that, right? So sometimes just tell me the story. Sometimes hearing their story is the ministry. Because they're going to share theirs and then they'll say, hey, tell me about you. But if I walk up to you and I say, let me tell you what all I've done in life. And I, you know, it's like, I don't really want to hear about you. And when, when people talk about themselves and then you can hear, well, I'm concerned about this, I'm stressed. And you hear. So in medicine, what people don't realize, there's so much more to the story. And as a matter of fact, for me as a doc, one of my good friends said, hey, Brian, you know, we haven't had dinner together in three years. <laughs> right? And I'm like, three years? You're kidding me, right? Because we're good friends. We never had a problem. And I said, look, let me explain my life. And I told him how crazy it was. And he said, if you were your own patient, what would you tell yourself? And so that was something I had to look at and go, okay, what would I tell myself? If my patient was saying, I'm working 16-hour days, I can't, you know, I'm not having time with my friends. I'm always stressed. I'm always running around. I'm always in a hurry. I'm impatient. I'd say find a new job. <laughs> so that's why that's what I had to do for myself and say, okay, if you're if you're if the price is too much, you have to make a change. Or you can say, how do I make it better? If I could design my job, like right now, Kevin knows, if I could have designed it, I couldn't have designed what God had planned. No one, when you die, says, how many cars do you have? How big was your house? You know, it's like, what about the relationship? Ultimately, that's what it comes back to. And that's what we're building is community, right? I think that's what matters. And there, there can be a low-carb community, but there's also a community of faith, and all these things can intermesh. Yeah. And, and that's what's beautiful about it. People say, well, I'm not into low-carb, but I like faith, or I don't like whatever. But I think being a decent person, I think I see that. I see a lot of good people out there, but they're so stressed and overworked that they don't have time to show it. I think that's what the Lord kind of showed me through all this. Yeah, it sounds like your secret key would be taking time and evaluating instead of just keep going, keep going, keep going, like actually stepping back for a minute and thinking about, okay, what do I really value? What's really going on? And it sounds like that not only has led you with the Lord in your own life, but in the way that you see people and the way that you serve. When you take that time, that's where you found the most fruit you're more aligned with the way that God made you in your personal life and your professional life. How do you avoid getting burnt out in that space? Because it's different than the 16-hour days and all of that, but there is still the risk of burnt outness in the space you are now with serving and stuff like that. How do you handle that? Yeah, you know, I can't imagine burning out on helping people, right? It's hard to burn out when you see the fruit. I work a fair amount of hours still because I'm doing the podcast and I still, you know, but I love it. It wasn't the time of working so much that bothered me. It was the always being busy, always looking at your watch saying, okay, I don't have time to hear your whole story right now. I remember specifically one of the nice ladies I worked with came in and I was stressed because I had tons of stuff to do. And she wanted to show me pictures of her grandkids. And I think, oh gosh, I hope there's not many of these. I don't want to deal with this, right? I don't have time for this. But I was thinking, that's terrible. Like you should be so excited and she wants to show you and you, you want to be there. So I think the burnout comes from 
for doctors, I really think it's when you're not being effective. That's why I have a compassion for doctors that don't want to learn new things because they're overstressed, they're over busy, and they're, they're struggling with alcohol and drugs and things like that because they're so unhappy. And one of the great mentors of mine when I was in training said, never allow your lifestyle to dictate how you practice medicine. Meaning, don't start spending a bunch of money, get this huge house, and you want to drive a Ferrari, and you want to do all this stuff because you're a doctor, because I'm still paying med school loans. And if I live like that, I would be miserable right now because then you're handcuffed and you can't get out of it. The answer I hear from Brian on your question is the quality of his life that changed even more than the hours you're putting in. Even if you put in a lot of hours, the quality of your life is extraordinary. I think all of this really applies to anybody in any industry, whether they're a doctor or not, and not only in the workplace, but as we're thinking about how can I be effective sharing my faith, this is really applicable because maybe we're struggling so much with life stress or health. And as you said earlier, Brian, this can be a legitimate factor in us missing opportunities and not noticing when the Lord is prompting us towards someone. So, so what I hear that we can glean for our own lives is that internal change and the mindset shift and the perspective and heart shift that you went through to get to this place where now you're seeing clearer, your family's better off, you're really enjoying and embracing, you're able to be more open and in tune with the Holy Spirit. And that's allowed you these new opportunities with your podcast and connections with people to really impact with faith and share God's heart. But I also see that it seems like it was a, a slow shift, like it wasn't an instant thing, but it was something that was ongoing. I'm curious, what did that look like for you on the inside and what gave you the confidence to make these outward changes? Yeah, it was the Lord was giving me signs for a long time and I kept saying, okay, so basically there was mold in my in my office. So I was getting highs, my eye would swell shut and I was having all kinds of health problems. I'm like, this is weird. I'm, I've never had allergies. No. So I find out it's a mold allergy and it took a long time to get that fixed. But then there was a, one thing after another and my wife looked at me and said, Brian, seriously, how many, how many times you, we can make it? Don't worry about the finances. If you want to get out, you got to get out now and make it happen. And then I go on this trip. I got back to my office and I worked 20 hours the first day, 18 hours and it was ridiculous. I was working so much, trying to catch up from being gone for, I was only gone Thursday, Friday, and Monday. My medical assistant was crying when I got back. She said, your patients are yelling at me because they can't be seen. It was just one of those things. You go, what am I doing here? How effective am I? And then it happened the same weekend when Kobe Bryant passed away. Mm. And I was thinking he would have given all of his money for one more day with his family. And would I not do that to be home on the weekends and be home earlier and spend time with my kids? Yeah, it's not worth it. So I went into my senior partner and said, hey, I, I want a full-time nurse practitioner so she can see people for the minor stuff. And they said, there's no room can't happen. I said, well, if it's not going to, and I just kind of threw it out there as if it's not going to happen, I'm not going to resign my contract because I can't keep doing this for the next 25, 30 years. I'm killing myself doing this. Basically, he said, you're making really good money here. You wouldn't leave. And I said, it's not worth it because Kobe would give up every dime to have one more day with his family. And I'm willing to do the same. I was envisioning you're standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon and the Lord says, take a step. And I'm like, okay, am I going to take this step or not? So I imagine I'm taking a step and there's dirt under my feet. And I take another step, there's dirt under my yeah. feet. And, then the, and so that's what happened. People came around me from all over that said, Hey, I know how to do a website. I know how to do this. I can help you with that. Everything that happened at the same time was just a confluence of things where you know it's the Lord, right? So you know the Lord has you. You don't have to worry. We were just sitting in the jacuzzi the other night talking. She said, do you ever look back 
I'm like, I never did. Once I made a decision, I go, okay, this is going to work. I'm going to make it happen. I know the Lord's with me. The Lord's not going to lead me down a path where I shouldn't be. He never has before. And that's one thing with faith. When people say, explain your faith, it's because it's always worked out. Mm -hmm. You know, I got the girl of my dreams. I got the, you know, great kids and it's worked out. Maybe I'm not driving a Ferrari, but I'm happy driving my little Volt, right? That got me here today. So, you know, you, you start reflecting and say, what really matters? And that's why I did Life's Best Medicine because I interview all these people and say, what matters to you? Right. What got you through the hard times? What do you lean on when everything goes wrong because a lot of us don't know and if you right now with covid if you don't have a foundation we have christ as a foundation so I, no matter how crazy things look that's what my faith is like things will get better i don't think about it in terms of it's going to get worse and worse and worse like a lot of us do and it's easy to and i think man i don't know how people survive without the lord these days but doing the mission trips i see people in the worst areas of guatemala we went to where ms13 resides you know and there's great people there i was in cuba and i saw the greatest people on earth there you know the most faith because they needed their faith and i think we're going through a time like that, you know, where we have to say, what do I believe? Where, where do I get my hope? Where do I get my strength from? And then being able to share that with other people, right? So for me, it's God, it's Jesus, and he's always come through. Yeah, that's, I echo that. The Lord has an incredibly wonderful, super abundant life full of the things that people are really after that really matters to them, like peace and joy and love and hope and faith. That is his design for us. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if you're making tons of money as a doctor or you're in entertainment or if you're really struggling to get by as a single mom like my mom did. There's a quality of life that he has for you that if you listen and you stop and look at it, you will end up with a life that compels people that don't have it to ask you about it. And that's the kind of life that Brian has. And that's why people ask him questions besides what's my AC1 number. Sarah, what do you take away from our time together? I think the biggest takeaway is in whatever you're going through, and especially when it comes to sharing your faith, if that's been a struggle for you or you feel like it's just like pulling teeth to do that or it's kind of like a thing in your back pocket, something you're not thinking about, take some time, sit down, evaluate and ask some people in your life. You talk about your wife, Linnell, kind of pointing out some of these things, and that was a part of your process. So take that time to evaluate, what do I really value? What is really going on? And ask yourself, does what I say I value match my mm. lifestyle and the way I'm acting, the way I'm responding and the choices I'm making throughout the day? Ask your family, your friends, how am I behaving? <laughs> am I myself? Am I my best self? And allow the Lord to speak to you because that's really where transformation can start to happen and you can move into those good works. People are looking for people that are fully alive in the way that we're supposed to be as humans in the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, this has been really, really good. I've enjoyed every second of it. Thank you, Brian, for coming on today and for sharing with us and your stories. I just love your joy. People can't see you while we're doing this, but just so our listeners know, he's smiling the whole time as he talks, and it's really refreshing and, and great to see. So and on Life's Best Medicine, you can see his smiling face because he does that on YouTube. Yes. Go listen to Life's Best Medicine and Low Carb MD. We would love to hear from you as well. You can go to our website, sent315.org. That's right. We love you guys. And remember, you're sent. 